What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is the one and only King Ginger, and I have some very exciting news for Apologia All Access members. We got movies now! Seriously, if you sign up for Apologia All Access, you will get to be the very first people in all the earth to watch Darren Doan's new film, Stonewall, starring Doug Wilson. And the movie has interviews with Ted Cruz and Ben Carson. So here's how it's going to work. Sometime during the month of October, Stonewall is going to be available to our All Access members for a very limited 24-hour window for you and your family to watch. Now that music's going to turn up and I'm going to yell at some people. If you have not gotten Apologia All Access or you've been waiting for the perfect time to get Apologia All Access, stop it! Get it now! You're only going to have a 24-hour period in which you can watch this movie. And while you're waiting for the film to drop, you can watch every single episode of Apologia TV and every single episode of The After Show and every Academy that we've ever done. So seriously, what are you waiting for? ApologiaRadio.com. Sign up now. Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? You're delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. I am so excited about this show. It's going to be awesome. Yes. It's like a royal decree with Ginger and Ninja. Ginger Ninja. The Ginger Ninja <laughs> episode. That's right. That's right. So we're back with Apologia Radio. That is the Ginger King right there. How's King it going? Ginger right over there. I'm the Ninja. And uh, this is Apologia Radio. You get us at ApologiaRadio.com. That's where you get all the past episodes. And Marcus, what else can they get at ApologiaRadio.com? Apologia Academy. On presuppositional apologetics. Okay. That's going up. The Apologia After Show. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that's awesome. It is. It's a 30-minute TV show that's going to be on the NRB Network within the next few weeks. And uh, you get the After Show, which is just a longer extended discussion without sound bites. That's right. Which Not is, as many commercials. Which is important because we live in a soundbite world. You know, as James White said, as someone who's debated... Last night's debate was not a debate. That's right. Nope. <laughs> it was it's just soundbite after soundbite. Right, right. That's right. So, You're talking about the GOP 2015 CNN debate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so so we developed the after show as a way to allow for more in-depth 
conversation that wasn't restricted to television format. That's right. So uh, they can go there, they can get the after show, they can get the television show, they can get Apologia Academy. Right now we're doing the presuppositional apologetics and Mormonism one. Yes. And uh, so those are going up. Yeah. And, and just in case people didn't know, the, the Apologia TV and Apologia after show are actual television programs. <laughs> right. Actual video. It's not just another podcast. That's right. So just to be clear, we call it Apologia TV because it's actually a TV, TV show. <laughs> It yeah. is. So that'll just, be on the NRB right. network. That's right. So it is not just an additional podcast. Although we do offer the podcasts of the show and the after show together mm-hmm. as part of being all access members. That's right. And you guys can go uh, to apologiaradio.com and you can get all of the episodes that we have ever done there for free. Nothing's changed with this free stuff except now that everyone's getting more. A lot more. Because of our wonderful listeners that do the all access. You make all of this possible. Our studio, everything we're doing right now is because of your support. So That's right. Praise God for you. And thank you guys for being partners with us. And Marcus, we have uh, some commercials. We made some promos for the NRB Network. I'm really I'm really happy about them. Yeah, you it are? You want, you want to play them? Yes, play them. Let's do them. Okay, so these are the uh, promos, the little uh, quick uh, bumpers that are going up on uh, the NRB network and uh, very exciting. Should we read the tagline as opposed to because <laughs> yeah. you won't be able to see it on the I'll, radio. I'll read it. I'll okay, read it. Right. okay, so here we go. Ready? This, these are our, our bumpers. And by the way, we should should mention that uh, the NRB network has like standards. They do. They have standards. They have standards. And Just all, all, all broadcast networks have standards. Of, of how you should do the commercials and whatever. Yeah, they have to be to their standards. And you were very creative here and you did something. Well, I wasn't creative. Yeah, well, I made it and then I looked at the standards and was like, Oops. Uh-oh. <laughs> These don't meet the standards. So but, we just sort of like, well, let's just put them on the web because they're so good. Yeah. We'll just put them on the web anyway. And then we got a message saying, hey, those don't meet standards, but we're going to air them anyway. Yeah. Because everybody liked them. Because they liked them. And so... Hey, that's good. I'm glad the NRB is awesome. And, like here, that. and here they are. Hello guys, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia TV. I want to encourage you to check out our new show on the NRB network and may God bless you with an abundance of goats for doing so. Wrong show. What? Wrong show. Sorry. And so the funny thing is it's just me kicking back on the desk with yeah. fl- flicking my flip-flops on my toes. And there's a tagline. Apology of TV. No promises. No promises. <laughs> <laughs> Next. No promises for watching Apology of TV. <laughs> there, there are no good Christian TV shows. There aren't. It's worthless. What's the point? It's the NRB network. The, we have to try. Name, name one good Christian television show. <laughs> you do There are none. Apologia TV, we'll try. <laughs> we'll it says try. we'll try. <laughs> You're such a dork. That's awesome. We'll try. We at Apologia TV would like to sincerely thank the network executives at the NRB for placing us into your schedule three times a week, one time at 1.30 a.m. Central Time, which, as everybody knows, is the spot everybody's fighting for. So. <laughs> at least we're on it all. <laughs> Apology of TV, at least we're on it all. <laughs> so, so we will be on Sundays at 1.30 a.m. Central, which right. is 2.30 in the morning Eastern. Mm-hmm. So I think the only people who will stay up to watch is your mom. 
(laughs) (laughs) No, for for real, that's a great time. It is a good time to set your DVR to. Right. Because it won't interfere with other programming. Yeah, yeah. And the other times we're on, what are we we doing? The other Uh, ones? I believe it's Thursday and Saturday night. Okay. So I think Saturday is like 11.30 Central. Okay. And or ten thirty central, and then Thursday is probably the best time, which okay. is maybe like ten thirty or eleven thirty. Uh, we'll get the times exactly right, but I do know it's Sunday at one thirty a.m. Central. I do know that time. Yeah, we do know that <laughs> one. Don't you like how like we're not even like playing on the network yet, and we're already jabbing at the executives? <laughs> Want to thank you, say you that? so uh, much? Oh, oh yes. Yes, because we're jabbing at the yeah, executives in the promo. Yes, yeah, in fun, in fun. Not not because no. we're really jabbing at no, them. No, it's just for fun. But like, I mean, if you watch, if you watch any of the great shows like Conan or um, Colbert or Fallon, they, they all they all make jabs at their executives because <laughs> there is there is a dichotomy of trying to be as creative as you can while working for a network head. Yes. So the, so the best networks are the networks that say, "Let the creative people do it." And just we'll just air it, and yeah. that's why you have AMC with all their stuff. Amazing shows, they're just yeah. like y'all do it. Yeah, you know Breaking Bad, that's Walking smart. Dead. That's smart. Speaking of Walking Dead, what? Speaking of Walking Dead. Oh yes, here we go. We at Apologia TV would love to sincerely thank the network executives at the NRB for placing us into their schedule three times a week, once at 1:30 a.m. Central Time, which everybody knows at least won't interfere with your Walking Dead time. So. There's that. It said, uh, be- better than zombies keeping you up all night, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it is. It is better. It is better. Much better. So, all right. So uh, it's been a crazy week. Um, I'm, we're going to have a, a, a year that's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just remind people, because uh, the episode with Darren Doan just went out to All Access members. Oh, did it? And so the All Access subscribers will get... Uh, a message coming at any moment, at any time. Okay. We don't know when. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will have 24 hours to download the new movie Stonewall with Doug Wilson for free before anybody else. Wow. So if you don't so have awesome. all access, like you need to get it because you're only going to have a 24 hour window mm-hmm. in which uh, to get it. And we don't know if you sign up during those 24 hours if you'll qualify because yeah. it might be we have to send the emails out yeah. to them in advance. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're signed up right now. Seven ninety five a month and you get a free movie. Yes. And Apologia, All Access, and yeah. Academy. And we're like 13 episodes. That's 13 hour and a half long. Like, I mean, you could binge through that. Yes. You could binge link. Yes. 13 hours. So- so Stonewall, uh, go to YouTube, check out the Stonewall trailers. There's three trailers for Stonewall, and uh, not not that Stonewall movie that's coming out by the studios. Yes, the, the gay agenda. <laughs> yeah, not the gay agenda Stonewall. This is the opposite of the gay agenda Stonewall. Yes. So I would say probably do a YouTube search for Stonewall Douglas Wilson trailer. Yes, and you'll probably get that there. Right. I yeah. think I think one of the homeschoolers was looking for the Stonewall trailer to watch, and. 
he came across the other one. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, he wait like, a what second. What is this? <laughs> Not us. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like your son. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, go check out the trailer and uh, All Access. Um, you guys, all of our partners for All Access, you guys are going to get that film, which I am super thrilled about. First time I saw the trailer for Stonewall, I got chills up and down my back. I mean, it was so incredible. So Darren Doan, Stonewall hooking up with us, Apologia Church, Apologia TV to get you guys access to that film. So this though, this is gonna be a crazy year though, because I mean we got the elections coming up, and so elections coming up, people want their Messiah, and uh, who's the next Messiah? Uh, that's that's what we're we're looking Donald for, Donald Trump, right? And so you got uh, be huge. Yeah, <laughs> the, it's just <laughs> nuts, man. That we Can you believe it. I can't Can you believe, believe it. Donald Trump has nearly forty percent. Our nation is cursed. Oh. Our yeah. nation is cursed. Give us a king. Yeah. Donald <laughs> Give Trump. Give us a king. <laughs> um, so, so the two leaders in the GOP debate from CNN um, uh, essentially were like, say, like Trump. And then what's her name again? Carly. Carly. Uh, Carson. What, uh, whatever her last name was. I forget what, what it is. Fiorina. Fior, Fior, yeah. I think so it Fiorina. might be something like that. So, so it's uh, Trump and then her were like shining stars and all that. Yeah. And it, it's amazing to me because... Here you have people running for the presidency of the United States of America that supposedly has as its foundational documents the Bill of Rights, you know, and then the Constitution. And you have people on that stage last night that could not pass with their knowledge last night, or at least what they were saying, a ninth grade class in civics properly taught. That's right. Um, And that blows my mind. And it, it... does say something about where we're at as a nation but you know for us as christians what should count for us are principles we're not looking for another messiah we already have a messiah we already have somebody who's the king who's on his throne and no one's taking that spot but what should count for us is principles and it blows my mind that we are so far removed from a proper biblical context of law and justice in a society and even our own history that we can't tell the difference between, say, a Rand Paul and a Ted Cruz and what they're saying about Mm -hmm. the Constitution and a guy like Trump and a guy like Jeb Bush and things like that, that we actually think like establishment GOP people like like a Jeb Bush is like representative of like a solid government. Or or we haven't looked at their views of welfare and war and w- with terms of what the Bible says. In light of the scriptures. Right. Just based on our emotions, 9-11, that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so it's... it's so really, we're going to do that. So with Trump, though, I just want to say something about Trump. I think the reason why Trump is so popular is because he is the embodiment of everything the GOP has been preaching for the past 20 years. How so? What do you mean? Well, I, I mean, crony capitalism. Okay. Uh... Uh, just like uh, his, he he does have a Reagan like nature to him in terms of just he's very blunt, yes, and clear, yes. And but but I think like all the negative attributes of the GOP mainly mm-hmm. are summed up in Trump, the crony capitalism, the the abrasiveness, all that stuff. And so now everyone's saying this is exactly what we've been asking for, right? We think of Trump, they're like, this is what we've been asking for, yeah. And the GOP's like, is this is this the guy we've been? Like, is this... But this is their child. Yes. Trump is the child of the preaching of the GOP for the past 20 years. And people like him, too, uh, also because he actually has a backbone and, and says what he means. At, at that's, t- that's true. I like that about yeah. him. It's a, that's, a, that's an admirable quality. Yes. Not to be a wuss. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> right. Not to if be you're going to be the commander-in-chief 
I would hope that you're not a wuss. Yeah, like, that would and, be the and top. people like appreciate that about him, and and that's what I think when you look at someone like Barack Obama, who is um, a murderer, um, who is um, antithetical to everything the Scripture stands for. Um, someone like Barack Obama, who it waffles and lies, says one thing one place and says another like directly right after. Exactly like Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, but people are tired of that, obviously. So they you know can really appreciate a person that actually you know stands up for what they believe in. So that at least that can be appreciated. Yes. But we need to ask as Christians like. What is consistent with the biblical worldview? Because, you know, let's let's at least admit to something like we're all products of our environment to some degree, even with a biblical worldview we've adopted. And it's possible, it's actually possible that as Christians, we have adopted unbiblical views of government, war, drugs, those sorts of things that that we've adopted those because hey, isn't the Republican Party the Christian Party? Right, that's right. right. The and moral majority. The moral majority. Yeah. So so we look at someone like a Jeb Bush and we look at these guys and we say, well, that, that's representative of a Christian government. But I don't know, you got to ask the question, like, really? Is like, it really? Is it yeah. really consistent with Scripture? And ask the question, like, is it even consistent with, like, our founding documents? Like that? Or like what the colonies had as a government that led up to the founding documents? I'm like, going to say no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to do it right now, actually. So, so what you're saying, though, is that the gospel actually applies to other areas of life yep. and not just the spiritual realm. Because well, it's called the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. Because, because, because it's the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. Which means that it's the gospel of the rule of the Messiah. His rule, his reign, right? right. His authority. Right. So, so the Reformation didn't take place until the gospel got into the hands of the people and the people started to apply it, right? So, so it wasn't yeah. just in their heads. It was the works that they were doing as a result of the gospel is really what kickstarted the Reformation, building a printing press. And well, and Reformation <laughs> theology, example. okay, let's grant this. Reformation theology had uh, more to do in the world than simply the doctrines of grace. So when someone yeah. says today, like a new Calvinist today, young restless reform guy would be like, oh, the doctrines of grace, I hold to the doctrines of grace. But we have to recognize that reform theology, the history of the Reformation had more going on than simply the doctrines of grace. Yeah, it's life and practice. Yeah, there was there were the pillars of the Reformation, there was covenant theology, there was government, there was authority of Jesus, there Infant was baptism. scripture. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. All right. Okay, so, so there's more to this. Yes. Full orb. Absolutely. It's full orbed. Right. And you look at what the Reformation produced. It, ref- it actually produced Christian communities. Oh, <gasps> Christian communities what? that like did stuff in the world and like actually believed stuff about like the family, the church, yeah. the state. And we're still benefiting from that today. We certainly are. Like internet. Yeah. Is, I mean, you would not have the internet without the printing press. Yeah. Direct, directly. It moves involved. all the way back. There's, yeah. there's a bit. The there's iPhone. stepping stones. Yeah. iPhone. I'm reading the biography of Steve Jobs right now. There's absolutely no way Steve Jobs is Zen and Buddhism and like his pilgrimages to like, you know, the the monks and, and stuff that he went to in India. Yeah. There's no way that that side of Steve Jobs could have launched the iPhone. No. Because that's all oneness. All but, is one. But Steve Jobs was a brilliant capitalist and he understood how to make a product and to sell it and to design it. And that's how we have a million or more iPhones out in the world today and he changed the world. Yeah. So so we we have to recognize as we launch this discussion for today that 
let's okay let's let's at least bring it down to some whittle it down to foundations like what's what's a, a foundation that has to be beneath this discussion in terms of the political discussions going on right now okay let's have this matthew 28 18 through 20 as the major text right jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me yeah okay so we want to be real with that and say that it he meant he meant it he actually meant on earth he meant on earth yeah okay so that means over last night's discussion like jesus cares about that right like last night jesus was at the got gop debate he was present. That's right. He was present there, and he was in charge there. Yeah. And everybody... Even, even if not present in the hearts of the candidates. <laughs> even if not present there. Amen. And uh, and so Psalm 2 uh, is what the Father says to the Son. He says, Ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And then he says to the kings, Be wise, O kings. He says, Obey the Son, or you'll perish. Right? So that's what the Father says right now to Rand Paul, to Donald Trump, to Ted Cruz to everyone that was on that panel last night and to Hillary Clinton and to Bernie Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders uh, and to Bernie Sanders Jesus is the king he has all he's authority gonna, Bernie Sanders is going to be on the show later he's right? he's going to be on the show later all yes, right. we're gonna, awesome. he's going to come in for a special appearance uh, we're going to be talking about Bernie Sanders and his advocating for the murder of helpless babies um, at Liberty University we're going to talk about last night's debate we're going to talk about marijuana are we going to talk we're about, talk about marijuana? marijuana today? Okay. And are you ready for this? Yeah. I'm going to give you a little wet your appetite. Isn't okay. this amazing? Everyone's like, aren't, isn't Apologia Radio representative of like the new Puritanism? Don't you guys believe in like theonomy? Aren't you guys like all about law? Like you're about the law thing, yeah, right? Yeah, we're strict legalists. Strict legalists. Judaizers. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> well, how about this for legalists and Judaizing? I think all marijuana should be completely legalized. Oh, mm, mm, I think we just lost some subscribers. But it's for a particular reason, uh-huh. still calling it sin. Right. Still calling it sin, but not calling it a crime. Correct. Okay? And you just need to hang on before you say, well, I'm going to shut that off. You need to hang on, and let's see if we can test, um, according to Scripture, these current social issues. Right. And see, like, what would the Bible have to say about them? All right. All right? And you're talking, by the way, you're, you're listening to um, a full-time, four-year veteran of around-the-clock addiction recovery center hospital ministry. Apology Church was started. Was started in a drug rehab. Added in a drug rehab. That's right. And now I'm actually advocating for the decriminalization of marijuana. The gospel's amazing. <laughs> the gospel's amazing. Right. All right. Very right back. Beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face 
Sometimes I lay under the moon And thank God I'm breathing Then I pray don't take me soon Cause I am here for a reason Sometimes in my tears I drown I never let it get Welcome me back. I really appreciate all of your messages, by the way, that you guys send on a regular basis, just encouraging us and telling us your story, you know, about how God has used this ministry to bless you, to encourage you. Um, That blesses my life. And so I want to just thank you guys for that. I know I can't always get back to all of you guys when you send messages, but um, I, I can tell you, I probably, I do see your messages and um, I'm, I'm grateful for him. So thank you guys. And thank you guys, especially all of you guys that are part of our All Access and you guys are joining us in this ministry. And it just means so much to me. And, and you guys are uh, you guys are making this happen. You guys are making this ministry happen. You guys are, uh, are helping us get the gospel into so many different avenues and arenas. And so we're just absolutely grateful for it. Um, here we go. So let's begin the discussion. Um, we're going to talk about the GOP debate and marijuana. We're going to try to talk about um, economics, uh, uh, immigration, economics. We're going to talk about Bernie Sanders at um, Liberty University uh, advocating for murder. And uh, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about the pansy that asked him the question that is supposed to be maybe representative of Christianity, <laughs> I suppose. I got to just ask you a question. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I offend you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to step on your toes. I mean, I know we have disagreements about babies and dismembering them, and yeah. you know you're entitled to your opinion. Yeah, um, but I still want to have dinner with you afterwards. Yes. So, so um, uh, let's let's jump into it. Let's talk about Bernie Sanders. Who in the world is Bernie Sanders? He is an independent in Vermont who's running for the Democratic Party. Okay. Do you know what I just real fast when I hear Bernie Sanders? Is it wrong for me to think about this? May the Schwartz be with you. Open that glove compartment. You got it. <laughs> is it wrong? To think <laughs> what about? is that from? That's from Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know why. Just, it's, it's his accent. It's, Mel it's, Brooks. It's man. his accent. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Bernie Sanders is an independent from Vermont. He is a socialist to the extreme of the worst kind. Of the worst kind. Yeah. And a lot of I've noticed a lot of reformed guys have been championing his views. What? On uh, living wages and stuff. You've got to be kidding me. Not joking. Not joking. So should I read? Do it. Yeah, bring, okay. bring us into the discussion okay, so we so, can help everybody so, that's brand new to this. So I'm going to read this, and the reason I'm reading it as opposed to playing it is because he talks so slowly, it would literally take an hour. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I'm Bernie Sanders. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Bernie Sanders. Okay. So first off, good, he, good things, Mazel Tov. So first off, he introduced himself. Yes, at the convention, at Liberty, by saying he's for gay marriage, and he's for homosexual. He opened gay up marriage with it. and abortion. He yeah. opened up with it. Yeah, and and all you hear is cheers. Yes. And so when we first heard that, we're like, man, it was disheartening. What has happened to Liberty? Right. I went to Liberty, and when Falwell was still alive, and I was like, man, Falwell's like rolling over in his grave right now. But we found out from some people in the Reform Pub who actually attend Liberty and was there that they only had about 100 supporters of Bernie Sanders who sat up front to make Bernie feel comfortable so it wasn't a completely dead space he was speaking to. And C-SPAN went and mic'd up the audience in front 
to make it appear as if everybody was in favor of what Bernie Sanders was saying. So it was propaganda. So just a very simple production technique is just put a few microphones in front of the few supporters in a 10,000 seat right. convention center. Right. Okay. So very strategic. Yeah. Smart. S- yeah. But, but if you were actually there, I'm told that it was actually really awkward and silent except for those followers. That's encouraging. But, but you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that. And we'll actually hear that when he talks about abortion. Right. But anyway, so he goes, and I'm going to read this because we'll get fat, we'll get through it faster. So Bernie Sanders kind of slow. <laughs> let, let me take a few moments, m- moments to tell you what motivates me in the work I do as a public servant. As a senator from the state of Vermont, and let me tell you... That it goes without saying, I am far, far from being a perfect human being, but I am motivated by a vision which exists in all great religions, in Christianity, in Judaism, in Islam, in Buddhism, and other religions. Ecumenicism. Uh, yeah. I'm Bernie Sanders. Uh, uh, right G- off the bat. Let me open up by saying Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and the vision is so beautifully and clearly stated in Matthew seven twelve in his state. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And this sums up the law and the prophets. This is a golden rule. Do unto others what you would have them do, do unto you. This is the golden rule, and it is not very complicated. And mm. we would say amen. 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 Okay, so he goes on to say, Amos 5.24, But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Justice, treating others the way we want to be treated, treating all people, no matter their race, their color, their statue of life, with respect and with dignity. And we would say Amen. Amen. How about babies? Ooh, How about babies, well, Bernie? Well, we're we're not talking about babies. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking social about social justice. Healthcare. <laughs> right. You know that is the truth. We are living in a time, and I warn all of you, if you would, put this in the context of the Bible, not me. In the context of the Bible, we are living in a time where a handful of people have wealth beyond comprehension. And I'm talking about tens of billions of dollars, enough to support their families for thousands of years, with huge yachts and jet planes and tens of billions more money than they would ever know what to do with. Uh, But at the very moment, there are millions of people in our country, let alone the rest of the world, who are struggling to feed their families. They are struggling to put a roof over their heads, and some of them are sleeping out on the streets. They are struggling to find money in order to go to the doctor when they are sick. Now, when we talk about morality, he's tying it back, when we talk about morality, And when we talk about justice, we have to, in my view, understand there is no justice when so few have so much and so many have so little. So, there are people who have money and there are people that don't. Yeah. And it's unjust. So we need to take the money, Mm -hmm. take the money and possessions. But by force. Away from those who have stuff, Mm -hmm. take their stuff. And move it over into the hands of those who don't. Yeah, that's exactly how I want done to me. Yeah. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. I want people to rob from me. I want people to rob from me. In my view, there is no justice when here in Virginia, Vermont, and all over the country, millions of people are working long hours for abysmally low wages of $7.25 an hour, or $8 an hour, or $9 an hour, working hard, but unable to bring in enough money to adequately feed their kids, and yet at the same time, 58% of all new income generated is going to the top 1%. You have got to think about the morality of that, the justice of that, and whether or not... That is what we want to see in our country. So what Bernie's doing is he's using the Bible and the Christian worldview in a perverted way. Yes. Very. And applying it to politics. Very perverted way. Yeah. And a lot of reform guys, I've noticed, I mean, I've had conversations on Facebook over the past few weeks. They're buying into this. Yeah. And they're saying, this is unfair. Mm. And so the question we have to ask 
is, well, what does the Bible say about living wage and minimum wage? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a valid question, right? We're going to talk about justice mm-hmm. and inequality. So, J- just briefly, before you get to it, he quoted from Amos 5.24. Uh-huh. That's what he quoted from? Yes. Well, it, I would just encourage everyone to go go read Amos 5. Why don't you read go, Amos 5? Go read 5. Amos 5, because Amos 5, God has a lot to say about justice here. And if you, if you read the text itself, God talks about hating evil, loving good, and he talks about establishing justice in the gate. And what God is condemning his people for, listen closely, he's condemning his people for the injustice they perpetrate in their society. But where does the injustice flow from in, in the book of Micah? A disobedience to what? That's all. His revealed law. Yeah. And so when Bernie Sanders quotes from Amos 5 and starts bringing up issues of justice, I want to say to Bernie Sanders, well, Mr. Sanders, there's a standard. <laughs> that book actually has a context. Yes. It actually talks about justice because there's a standard God's given of justice. Right. And when he condemns his people for injustice, it's it's not because they are violating some strange concept that's sort of suspended in midair with nothing, it's not hanging on anything. He's actually condemning his people for violating his own standards of justice. He's condemning them saying, essentially, I taught you this and you're not doing it. Yes. And so what Bernie Sanders wants to do is neglect what the scriptures say wholesale, but pull over these terms that make Christians feel gooey. He's redefining the term as he's pulling them in. So it's sort of like he, he. This is a typical tactic of the of 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 well, really any any um, politician that wants to pervert. By scripture. the way, you found out how much does Bernie Sanders pay his interns? <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Sanders, I want I want fifteen dollars an hour for United States citizens. Yay! And McDonald's. And minimum wage for everybody, and uh, I pay my own interns twelve dollars an hour. Right. Because they're not worth more than twelve. <laughs> What do you want me to do? Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's okay to pay people $12 an hour while he's working for you. Advocating for $15 an hour. That's correct. He won't do it. Okay. So this shows the hypocrisy. But but you said earlier in the show, at the beginning, you said that the Reformed Reformed theology is a a full orb view. And so it's not just about the doctrines of grace or infant baptism or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's about how we work in our lives. So this is a question. If we're going to talk about justice, and obviously his views of abortion is unjust. Completely. <laughs> so so, so I want to go and talk about economics for a minute. And, and just I want to show how you can't be reformed and hold to this living wage view. Okay, yeah. And as you get there, let me say this too. We, I think it's important for us to, to pay very close attention to when people are trying to pull on our emotionals heartstrings. Right. So for example, the establishment Republicans and guys like this will borrow stuff from scripture, terminology to pull on your heartstrings to make right. you feel a certain way. Yeah. So for example, uh, Bernie Sanders would say, uh, social justice, love, neighbor, good Samaritan, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if he can't get you to come along, uh, puppies, unicorns, <laughs> Uh, ah. Rainbows, chocolate chip cookies, and rainbow Doritos. Jesus, <laughs> like it's you know, it's yeah. just recognize that there's a game being played here, and it's important for us as Christians not to fall prey to it. Yeah. So we go back to the scriptures, and so the best example of this in the New Testament is Jesus's parable of the vineyard workers. So, so just before this is a passage, and and I don't want to you know think people that I'm eisegeting into this text. This is a passage. Give it to us. 
It's in Matthew 20, and I'm going to just start from verse 13. Okay. But essentially, Jesus brings the workers in at the start of the day, at the middle of the day, and at the end of the day. And at the, at the end, the vineyard worker uh, pays them uh, all the same price. And the other vineyard worker says, hey, that's not fair. We've worked all day. We should have gotten paid more than the guy who came in at the end of the day. Okay, but real fast, who gave the parable? Jesus. Be sure about that. Yes. Okay. All right. Continue. <laughs> okay. okay. It's the New Testament and it's in red. Oh. The letters are in red. And I accept it. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so, but, but the vineyard worker replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. And I am not allowed. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the points I want to bring up is, one... Wait, hold on, wait. That that sounds like he's saying that he gets to do with his property as he pleases. That's exactly what he's saying. And and it's his property. Please continue. And he can do what he wants. Capitalist (laughs) pig. So he's saying, what belongs to me? His money belongs to him. He didn't say it belongs to Caesar. He said it belongs to him. Well, that's not... Okay, that's not really fair, but go on. <laughs> it's not fair. It's his money. It's property. It's his vineyard. So, here's what I want to say. This is about God's mercy and yeah. whom he grants mercy to. That's right. The principles of this parable has got to be true or else the parable doesn't make sense. So, the issue of mercy in the parable mm-hmm. doesn't work if the foundational truths in the parable aren't True. Yes. If seeds can grow on rocky soil, then the parable of the seeds being thrown don't make sense. Gotcha. That's why he spoke in parables so that the heavenly things would make sense to us. Right. So, so these truths have to be true. Mm-hmm. So if he is saying that I am allowed to do what I want with my money, as long as the individual agrees, he's not ripping anybody off. Everybody agreed to work for that wage. There's a, there's a job offer there. Yeah. And the job offer was accepted by every person in that party. And he chose to grant mercy to pay somebody more for their work than the other person. If, if that freedom of God to give mercy is not true, if, if that market, if that capitalist principle is not true, then your soteriology, you cannot be reformed. Okay. Because that's a reform principle that God grants mercy to whom he grants mercy. That's right. And so we see here an economics principle that has to be true in order for reform theology to be true. Boom. So that's big. It's huge. It's huge. So it's sh- it's showing how your reform theology is consistent throughout all areas of life, or yep. else it's not consistent. So it shows that this issue here that Jesus is bringing up is a moral issue. It is a moral it's issue. It's a moral issue. Right. And it's a moral issue that ultimately has to do, it's connected to ec- economics. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, if those, denari- if those guys were working and said, hey, uh, I don't think it's right to work for one denarius for a whole day. How about I work for two? And the vineyard worker says, okay, I'll, I'll pay you two and I'll pay the other guy uh, whatever I offer him then then that's okay but the point is they agreed to work for that mm-hmm. at that wage when you go work at McDonald's for seven twenty five an hour you're agreeing to work for seven twenty five an hour there's no theft there that's what you agree to and and if you don't want to get paid that much you can go somewhere else or you can prove yourself like or I, open your own business yeah before I came to Apologia I was working a minimum wage job at a cigar lounge for seven twenty five an hour and I worked there for a few months until I realized that they weren't going to need my video skills, and then I came here. 
<laughs> so right, I made free videos for them. I showed them what I had to offer. I found out there wasn't going to be any hope of me ever advancing in that company in that way I wanted to. So I left because it's a free country. But I wasn't mad that they were only paying me seven twenty-five an hour. I that's what I agreed to work as I, I invested my time in hopes of getting paid more in the future. When that didn't work out, I left. Gotcha. Their loss. Gotcha. Right. So, so okay, so just quickly, as because you know you have more to say here. Um, when we bring these issues up, we're bringing them up because they're, they're part of the cultural context right now and, and conversation. So you yes. have to have them. And Jesus has something to say about all this. Yes. And when we talk about issues like private property and am I not free to do with my own stuff what I want? But is it your stuff or is it Caesar's? Yeah, and that's the... Because people will say that you don't own anything. I've, I've heard this. I've heard this in a Reformed pub. I've heard this in you know Facebook conversations. You don't own anything. God has given to you everything. And the challenge with that kind of thinking is that it does not match God's law. Right. So well, how for, can I steal if I don't own anything? That's right. That's right. You know, give me your wallet. Yeah, that's right. Give me your Amazon account. Yeah. How about that? Every, just, every, just give me your Amazon yeah, account. <laughs> every, everything in the law of God in terms of civil sanctions given as penalties is, is with the assumption that private property counts, that ownership counts. So, for example, when we talk about uh, property markers, there was a, 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 a statement in the law of God, you are not to move the property boundary over into your, your neighbor's. Because they'd be, they'd be, they'd be what, if I have, what if I have 99% more property than that guy? doesn't matter. The law of God says you don't encroach upon... He only has 1% of property. doesn't make a difference. Then he needs it's to work, unfair. Then he needs to work harder at expanding his borders. <laughs> he needs to work harder. He needs to become a harder worker. He needs to do what he does to the glory of God. It doesn't mean that in a society we trample on the poor. As a matter of fact, the law of God tells people to care for the poor and it has specific provisions within the law of God to make sure the poor can even glean from the harvest and be taken care of. But it's not by government force. Right. And, and it doesn't say that that is... Um, your, your property is to be taken by others. Here's the problem with socialism. Can I just say it outright? Sure. This is the problem with socialism. The problem with socialism is larceny in people's hearts that they love to take what mm-hmm. doesn't belong to them. And so, for example, what's the law of God saying in the Ten Commandments? You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You know what those are? Those are capitalist principles. Mm-hmm. Private property principles. And so, when you look at socialism, socialism is ultimately a display of the fallenness of humanity, right? Because what does it breed? A society of covetousness and a society of theft. That's what socialism is. And so someone can't say to me, oh, we don't want to get in political stuff. Uh, there's, no, there's not a gospel conversation. Is, is telling people like to repent of, of theft a gospel thing? Absolutely. Well, then that means a socialism is a gospel Absolutely. thing. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're demanding that the government take money from me or force me to pay somebody uh, money that I don't want to pay them or I don't feel that they've earned or they're worth, then you're, you are stealing from me. Advocating for theft. That's right. And so, like, that goes back to the whole, I mean, you, so I guess people would say, well, you don't believe in a minimum wage? N- no, I don't. Look, I mean, the, the guy got paid a penny for a whole day's work. <laughs> right? I mean, the vineyard worker, you know, so, so there, so back then that was okay because there wasn't inflation. What, what drives inflation? Minimum wages. When you pay somebody $15 an hour for a 99 cent to make a 99 cent cheeseburger, that cheeseburger is not going to be 99 cent anymore. Right. It's going to go up to $2 or $3. 
to justify having to pay. Or so you're actually stealing from the consumers too, because yes. now they have to pay more now. for their product. And you will also get yourself in this situation that we're in right now, where because you push on business owners like this and, and try to take property mm-hmm. from them that doesn't belong to you by force, mm-hmm. what they do is they wise up and they say, how can I do this without you? And they start getting electronic menus that you can come up to the window and just push the buttons mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's all automated. They get rid of you. Yes. Because they don't want you. Of course. To, well, it's to like, be, it's to, like Gary North said, like yeah. if we're worried about illegal immigrants taking our jobs, what we really need to be worried about is computer programmers. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've taken more jobs away from people in the past 10 years than the entire country of Mexico could. Okay. Right? So, I mean, they, they make programs that make our jobs easier an example of that would be this program i use pluralize that syncs up all my audio and video automatically it used to take a day or two to do that you could you would actually have to hire somebody Mm -hmm. just to sync up audio and video before now Mm -hmm. we don't need to do that i just throw it in a program and in 30 seconds boom it's done Um, the homeschoolers know how to use the program yeah it's just clicking one button And, and so so those are the jobs that programmers take and, and and there's not a set amount of jobs in any economy if people are working and they're making money they're going to spend money and because they spend money there's going to be need jobs yeah. that'll take that money and if business owners who have personal property that they are actually now uh, trying to expand and grow by in terms of their business uh, when they if they are people that abuse their employees and don't pay them well then guess what they get a reputation for mm-hmm. that and they lose their business ultimately because they don't care for their employees right. and so that so believe me it counts and but what you can't do is say that in principle we should have the government get involved in private business and property and start taking ownership yeah. because watch this when you say that the government should be able to dictate to a business owner how they're to run their business then what you're saying is that no one owns businesses any longer because the government owns those businesses and also in the old testament there weren't any civil sanctions for greedy business owners so if you didn't let the sojourner take the remaining food like there weren't sanctions they didn't take your property away because you didn't do that you word would get out that you were a greedy farm owner and people wouldn't buy food from you anymore. Right. And they, they recognized like, it was sin. Yeah. Sin. There's a difference in the Bible between sins and crimes. Right. Okay. So that's sin, abusing your neighbor, not taking care of your neighbor, doing whatever. But there's a difference between that and a crime. Right. Okay. So, so, but people will say now, well, Romans, uh, Jesus says, uh, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God's what is God's. So we have to pay these taxes, which we do. But, but so the question is, should we just allow the government to tax us as much as possible? And so I've been studying this <laughs> and it's amazing. This passage, just two chapters after Jesus declared private property rights, the Sadducees and the Pharisees came to him and they wanted to entrap him. That's key. Cause anytime something like this happens, we have to look at the scriptures and say, well, if they're trying to entrap him, what did they think Jesus was going to say? Right? There's two options. One, he could say, well, we have to give to God, or and then he would violate Caesar's law. Or he could say, 
we have to give to Caesar and he would violate God's law. Uh-huh. And so either way, they would have a charge to bring against him. Right. And so he says, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 22, verse 19, uh, sorry, starting verse 18, but Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius and Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar. So on the coin... Uh, Gary Gary uh, Demar's book has a picture of a possible coin, and there's Caesar on it, and it says on the coin, essentially, "Divine Caesar, Jesus is Lord." I okay. saw Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord, essentially. Mm-hmm. So he's asking, whose image is on that coin? Now remember, Romans 13 says we're to submit to our government, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, so Rushdoony says that you submit to the government that you choose, right? So he's saying. Whose image is on that coin? Do you see the image of Caesar or do you see Caesar in the image of God? And they say, it's Caesar's. And Jesus's response is, then render unto Caesar what is Caesar. He's pronouncing judgment on them. Mm. He's saying, you see Caesar as Lord on there. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God. So he did say render unto God what is God. So he actually, in that very statement, put limits on Caesar's power. Because mm-hmm. he separated the two. He says, there are some things that are Caesar's. Are he some didn't give him unlimited power. Not at all. Yeah. But here's the thing. What happened later? They went to Pilate and Pilate said, isn't he your king? Speaking to Jesus, isn't Jesus your king? And what did they say? Caesar is our king. Yep. So who are they rendering under Caesar? They're rendering Jesus under Caesar. Mm. And they knew it. And it says they, they, they left... Uh, when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. <laughs> mm. So it was in a trap. Jesus already knew that they were going to render him under Caesar at that point. Yeah. And so he, he was, he was actually rebuking them and pronouncing judgment on them for, uh, for eventually rendering him under Caesar. Mm. So it's a whole greater, it's a whole greater thing. So if we look at our tax, our, our money, if we look at our money and we say, our money is the United States government's money and it's not our money. We deserve what we get. We deserve high taxes. We deserve 90% taxes. We deserve the welfare and all the, all the problems that come from that because that's what we've asked for. We've rendered under Caesar what is not Caesar's. Jesus was not Caesar's to give. Yeah. And, and, and so so that's, that's that, that passage is way more complex and way more in depth than just a simple question over taxation. It's yeah. way more complex than that. It's not as simple. It's not, it's not saying you have uh, whatever Caesar asks for, he gets. Because right. what, what do we do as Christians when Caesar eventually comes in, which is being suggested and taxes people at 90%? Yeah, there were two temple taxes. There were Caesar's temple tax, and then there was Jerusalem's temple tax. That's right. And so he was saying, so which temple do you want to build? Mm-hmm. You know, If you want to build Caesar's temple... Build Caesar's temple. Yeah, and they and they and they and did the, see, and, the they, and they did see themselves as under Caesar's uh, reign and authority as an ultimate because they said we have no king but Caesar. That's exactly what they said. And the Book of Revelation actually demonstrates that picture by having the harlots, which is what God called Israel and the covenant breaker in the Old Testament when his adulterous wife would go off and commit sexual immorality with the other nations. He um, in Revelation it says that the harlot is riding the beast. That's right. We have no king but Caesar. That's right. So she's in league with the beast. That's what was going on in Jesus' day. And notice also that the beast in Revelation, in Revelation 13, 
wants his mark on your head and your hand. He demands your complete allegiance. But if you're a Jewish and you know the Shema and you quote in your morning and evening prayers, you know that Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Elohino, Yahweh Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? And, but notice it says, you shall bind this on your head and your hand. So God is the ultimate. Loving him with heart, soul, mind, and strength is to be a sign on your head and your hands. But the beast wants that. He right. wants he wants ultimate position in your life. He wants to have a mark on your head and your hands, which is where God wanted to be in the lives of his people. And so when you do see a political conflict at bottom there in that whole discussion, it's a political conflict. Who gets ultimate authority in your life? Is it Caesar? Is it the state? Or is it Jesus? Is it God? And um, you do see, again, the harlot and the beast together. And then it says the beast turns on the harlot, makes her desolate, burns her with fire. That's in Revelation. That was a promise of what was about to come on the old Jerusalem. The harlot was about to be taken apart by the beast and destroyed. Um, That took place. But that's what they get for saying we have no king but Caesar. Yep. So do you see uh, Ben Franklin's image on your $100 bill? Or do you see God's? Benjamin's. All about the Benjamins. Gotta get them ducats. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'll be right back, guys. And more to say. We're going to play some clips from the debate. We're going to play some clips from Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. And then we're going to... Uh, Who's really unjust, by the way. He really, really is. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. It's really, I think, encouraging, Marcus, that we actually get to open our Bibles to learn about what God would have us to do and to believe about all these issues. The Bible actually talks about it. There really is no podcast or radio show that that does this at this level. 
and, and I, I'm I'm humbled by that, and um, I'm encouraged that God is doing something now and actually waking up His people to say, okay, no, there's more, there's more to this. That's right. There's more to life. There's more than sound bites on the stage of a debate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. 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 All right. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, we have so much to do. Let's, uh, I think we, we can do is, uh, let's do the Bernie Sanders thing. Okay. You want to do that? The abortion thing? Let's do it. Let's do that. Okay. This is going to drive some of you guys mad. Yes. Just be warned. Like if you're like, you know, you want to get your heart medication, make sure you're not drinking anything right now because it's upsetting <laughs> on a number of levels. <laughs> So Bernie Sanders, uh, the socialist, uh, the man who wants, uh, the man who loves theft and covetousness and harbors that in his heart and wants to promote that in a society. Uh, Bernie Sanders was invited to Liberty University, which to me is just absolutely nuts. It's just absolutely nuts that he gave this man a platform. Like, I mean, I can't imagine having a Christian university and having a man come up to speak and to promote larceny in a society and the destruction of personal property. I'm not, I'm not entirely against it. It's, it's a university, not necessarily a worship service. So I don't think it's too much of an issue to have okay. alternate views come to be debated. But, but here, okay, okay, you're That's right. The key. Uh, let me get across this. Yeah. I wouldn't have had a problem having him be there to have somebody rebut him or challenge him, cross-examine him. Absolutely. But the man that did, did this did not cross-examine him. He was <laughs> this is the complete opposite just, of cross-examination. He was just a coward. Megyn um, Kelly did a better job in cross-examination. No, she really did. She really <laughs> did. So this is Bernie Sanders responding to an abortion question at Liberty University. a great question by the way That's a great applause, isn't it? That's yes. a lot different than original. And they don't stop. Listen, we'll let it run. They stand up. They're standing up. They're ovation. standing up. So obvious propaganda by C-SPAN on the C-SPAN feed. They're not stopping clapping. They're standing up. Way still, to go. Still standing. That's what they want to ask, not me on stage. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! We don't got to be eye to eye on it. I, I, mean, you know, I understand you have a different view on dismembering children. But well, we can just go out to coffee later and hang out. You, <laughs> you want to spend the night? <laughs> Goodness! I, I mean, that is cowardice on a level that is really indescribable and unpredictable. Like, how could you predict? that somebody would be at a Christian university and be cross-examining someone in this way, saying, I know you and I have a different view of this, yeah. but 
that they're talking about murdering children. You don't give concessions like you don't allow people to have a different view. On your stage. Yes. <laughs> this is your stage. Right. You run the conversation here. Like in my community, as a member of this community, I don't want to allow for differing opinions on whether or not it's okay to shoot at moving vehicles on the I-10. <laughs> you certainly do not. <laughs> no. Which is what's happened over the last couple of weeks here in Phoenix on a popular, I'd say, a, a, a freeway that everyone drives on out here. Uh, there's been a shooter who's been shooting at vehicles with real bullets and with projectiles like BBs and things like that. We got hit by one ourselves. But see, here's the thing. In that, in that case, that's a moral issue that I don't want to say to the shooter, well, you're entitled to your opinion on this, but I would prefer you didn't shoot at my window. That's injustice to the shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you're being unjust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but that's, but does everyone see the problem here? You don't give concessions on moral issues. You just don't do it. God's standards are God's standards. And so what you don't do with a person who's advocating for murder is say, well, you're entitled to your opinion. You say, no, this is murder. And we're going to talk to you about how you have an inconsistency where you talk about justice and you talk about children, but now you're advocating for murder. What's your response to that? I, I would say that he should be locked up and in prison. Uh, the shooter on I-10, by the way. Yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah. yeah and, 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 so should abortion doctors. And he should be executed quickly At after you catch the shooter. Very quickly. Catch the shooter, you get the evidence, two or three independent lines of testimony and witness, and then you execute the man for trying to murder people. Absolutely. Uh, he, he wanted to murder people, he's just not very good at it. And, uh, and so, um, so, okay, so here you go. Here's more of, uh, here's Sanders' response. Do you really see a sincerity in him? Is, I don't know. I don't know where pla- that comes from. It's pla- he's placating. Like, you know, I really sense a sincerity in you. I think that if, you, if you're really a Christian being committed to your principles and Jesus is Lord, you should just say, like, I don't believe that you really care for children the way that you say that you do. Right. Because over here you're advocating for them to be disemboweled. Absolutely. That's how you should really approach these kind of discussions. <laughs> They're being murdered. <laughs> Wait, because, what well, can I say this? It's an attachment. I don't know if we'll get to it today or not. Because Christians have been standing up publicly against abortion in the way that we have, because of films like Babies Are Murdered Here, because of how we've been talking about this in the last couple of years as murder, as dismembering babies, the Planned Parenthood videos exposing what they're doing as murder, you know, everything else. For the first time in my entire life, last night on the GOP debate uh, stage, you saw these Republican people talking about abortion. They called it murder. They did use that they word. It's amazing. Word. Chris Christie used the word murder in the womb. And why? Because Christians have been consistently speaking into this as murder, murder, murder. And because right. of that, that's what we did. We changed the conversation. Absolutely. We changed the conversation. And you don't change the conversation by placating to a man like this who loves larceny and loves the dismemberment of, dismemberment of children. You don't, you don't change the conversation by saying, I respect your opinion and I respect your right to differ. Not in murder. Yeah. Not a murder. No. Okay.
Say that to the rapist. How about the rapist? Uh, yeah, you, you can't tell every rapist what to do with their own body. No, with, with his own body. It's a painful decision for him. He wants to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. He, with a child molester, they have to do this. They, it's in their genes. They want to do it. Yeah. They want to do it. And, and the government has no right to impose legislation, actually, that um, they, they can't legislate morality, Marcus. Well, I mean, what... I mean, every. I mean, even Bernie Sanders just said this is an issue of morality That's in right. terms of taxes. That people say you cannot legislate morality. The truth is, you can only legislate morality. <laughs> that's the only that's thing the, the government is supposed that's to do. That's what it does: is legislate yeah. morality. Yeah. And the government can defend victims and uphold justice in a society. And the government does have a right to tell a woman, "You're not allowed to murder your child." I mean, Bernie Sanders. Would you say that the government has a right to tell the 30-year-old woman who has a 5-year-old son in her other room, does the government have a right to tell her not to kill her 5-year-old son? And if your answer is yes, then guess what? The government also has a right to say you are not allowed to murder the baby in the womb. Those two things are logically connected by necessity. (laughs) well because there's a different category (laughs) of the government being in my life to steal property from me yes and to tell me say for example that i can't defend my family with a weapon or or the emissions on your car that's right that's that's the government actually overstepping their boundaries in the sense of now you're encroaching upon my personal property to just retrieve it or to block me in some way from ownership, right? There's a difference between that realm and the government actually protecting people from murder. Yes. There's a bit of a difference. It says in Romans 13 that they're to terrorize those who do evil. That's right. And, and what is more evil than ripping out a baby in the womb? Yeah, which, which, by the way, I'm not advocating for the Republican Party. No. Boy, that really shock people? Whoa. Especially when we get into drugs later on. Yeah, I'm not advocating <laughs> not for the Republican Party. I'm actually advocating for a biblical republic uh, that is gospel-centered, that people come to Christ through, uh, by faith, and they love God's law, and the government has a primary duty under God to wield the sword of justice. That's obviously a metaphor and has to do with just justice in a society. And the government's role is to hand out just penalties for crimes and to enforce contracts. That's, that's it. So what would we say is a biblical position for the government? Well, it wouldn't be the EPA. That would be gone uh, what else would be gone? DEA. In a, in the DEA would, would definitely not be what they are, for sure. Department of Education. Department of Education. The government has no responsibility or right under God to be in the area of education. So all those things would be gone. Hey, isn't it interesting? If you had a biblical like republic, you would have a teeny, 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 tiny little government. And you wouldn't need 50% taxes to fund it. Nope. You would barely... I mean, it would be so easy to fund a biblically established government. Yeah. I mean... You almost wouldn't even see I mean, it. Look at how limited the government was in the Bible, right? David was bringing food to his brothers during war, right? Like it wasn't even, even the food was uh, personal ownership. 
<laughs> you know, if you're going out to war, your family brought you food. Mm. Wow. <laughs> wow. They weren't mess cooks. Mm. Wow. Okay, I ask you a question, Mr. Sanders. Why is it a painful and difficult choice? Is it a baby? Is it a human being? Yeah, it's not a painful and difficult choice to remove cancer from your body. Or a wart. Or, or a wart. Or, or a bunion. Right. That's right. You just do it. Right? <laughs> or, or like, what do the women do with their, they, they shave like the cells off their feet. It's really gross. They get their feet done and they do the thing where they like... I have, they I, shave their feet I, down with a cheese grater, I, right? You ladies know what you do. You just, that's so gross. Like it's, they're like cheese graters. They saw away at their feet, like, right? And like, they really do. It's gross, right? Like that's not, that's not a choice that's a morally painful choice to make. Even when people have to have entire limbs removed from their body, like it's like, oh, we'll do it. It's difficult. Yeah. But it's not like a morally it's difficult not a morally issue. difficult yeah, choice. It's right. like, well, yeah, I got to remove that leg because it's right. going to eat away in my body. That's right. Yeah. And Bernie <laughs> Sanders, leg off. in his heart of hearts, as an image bearer of God, knows this is murder. That's why he has to say it's a really difficult choice. Why? Because it's always a difficult choice for a mother to murder a child. Of course it is. Those cheers are from his supporters. <laughs> everything he has said has been partisan everything <laughs> everything yeah. he's almost as bad as a moderator yes You know, one of the reasons people can't afford to send their kids to college? 50% taxes? Is because we have such high taxes and the government is encroaching upon their private property. Could you imagine, the, you know, the, the Bible talks about a tithe unto the Lord, you mm-hmm. know, like Gary DeMar and Rush Dooney will say. It's not necessarily always a tithe to the church, your local church. It's a tithe to using your money to give to God in whatever area that, that you feel is needed. Mm-hmm. So imagine if 50% of our congregation uh, is income. 50% of their income could be used for our own church's health plan mm. or our own church's homeless shelter or abortion ministry. We would take care of that. We, we, would, we would handle it. Now, people say, well, the churches aren't doing it, and so that's why the government needs to step in. 
But I guarantee you, if there was a hole for health care, the church would be the first to step in. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a hole. If, if the government, if a church doesn't have to provide free health, uh, health, health if, if a church doesn't have to pay, if the members don't have to pay for health care for other people, their ties will take care of it. Yeah, and uh, what, what we should be advocating for is a government that is a biblically established government that actually has a biblically established role and duties, and they follow those things, and they do not cross the boundaries. And so when we've given the government responsibility over education, they kill it. They destroy it and they destroy the minds of our children. When education was primarily Christian in America and privately done, not only did we exceed in almost every area in the world in terms of like rigorous education, um, we, we actually were, we weren't robbing people to do it. <laughs> so for example, like property taxes, like in America, it's sad. You can buy land and buy a house in America, and you can typically you're paying rent for good. You you own All your life. You own the dirt. You own the building. You paid for it in full, but now you're paying rent for good. What are you paying rent for? You're paying rent for programs like public schools, even if you don't have kids there. Yeah. So you're you have property now taken away from you for the rest of your life. And if your children can't afford the property taxes, they get it taken away. You can't even leave property to your that's, children. That's anymore. right. That's right. And how about how about the uh, death tax? Right, you, you die, and the government becomes the firstborn. And when the, in God's law, the family receives the inheritance. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, that you build up for your whole life property and stuff, and then you die, and that property and stuff goes to your family. And then they guess what they do? They take that stuff, and then they expand upon it and grow and grow and grow. And then guess what? That guy dies, and it goes down again to the next guy, and then grow, grow, grow. Guess what? It, is? it builds, establishes wealth. In a society, right? Because right. everybody's stuff keeps expanding and growing and getting bigger in the family and family. And all of a sudden, now you have the society now where everybody actually has established wealth. Right. But what our government says is, no, actually, we'll take the role of firstborn. Thank you. And they say, you die. We're the firstborn. We take yeah. your stuff. And guess what they do? They take now your money. And now does it go back into your family and your society to establish it? No. It goes to pay for Obama's air fair and his trips to hawaii and to what's the place he goes to martha's 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 vineyard and and he goes to all it goes to uh, pay for all these other government programs that just absolutely tank yeah and just the people that say well if the government if if the government doesn't do it the church won't do it i have to ask where did hospitals come from yeah, they came from the churches. Do you notice the names of some of these hospitals? Presbyterian, yeah, Samaritan, First Presbyterian in New York. They had a whole reality show. Phoenix Baptist Hospital. Like these are you don't see like where did that come from? I don't think it came from the church, Marcus. Yeah. Major hospitals too, not just like little tiny individual yeah. sort of thing. Or how about in America? Um, early on, you look at even like Whitfield establishing orphanages. You know, it was the Christian church that owns the orphanage situation in most places that it's ever gone. But as soon as we've handed the orphanage problem over to the state, yep. now what do we have? A whole a lot of orphans. system, a yep. lot of orphans. And what I want to say is you can look, even in the last 10 years, at when Christians got serious about the problem of orphans in their culture, 
they were able to actually do something about it. And as a church, Apology of Church, we're committed to that. We have people right now that are in the program for foster care and to, to, to adopt. And we want to do our best as a church. You know, we're a newest church to make sure we even solve that problem ourselves. And Christians actually in the state are joining together. The churches are joining together to, to end the orphanage problem we have here. Mm-hmm. But who solves that problem? It's not the atheists with their worldview. It's not the secularists. It's not the government. It's the Christians. Right. Ultimately. And people say, well, well, Christians aren't doing it, so the, so the state has to. No. Christians this, can't do it. This, Christians gave it up to the state. Yeah. Take it back away from the state, and they won't need to do it anymore. Yeah, all these issues regarding immigration, uh, health care, all of it comes down to a biblical view of government. If you have a biblical view of government who's not taxing people to death, all these other issues will fix themselves. They will. You just have to trust it. Yeah. You have to trust the law. The economics, the law, economics. Of God. The law right. of which, by the way, can I? I'm going to add something to uh, on the, and then we'll go into the rest of the discussion. We'll take a break here, but can I, guys? Can I point you guys to something real fast? If you go to your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 42, I'm just going to read you a text from Isaiah 42. Okay, it has to do with justice, but this has to do with the Messiah and His kingdom. Okay, so so get your Bible and read Isaiah 42. Remember that the kingdom of the Messiah had to come during the time of the fourth kingdom, which was Rome. It came as a stone that becomes a mountain. Daniel chapter two. Um, it was going to be an increasing government and peace, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. And so Jesus says that he brought it. John says Jesus brought it. The apostles said Jesus brought it. So that's Messiah's kingdom. Got it, okay? Jesus is seated now. Everyone believes that. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's on his throne. He's reigning in his kingdom. Okay, now watch this. Isaiah 42. This is really important because it has to do with what Bernie Sanders was trying to to do and pulling at the heartstrings of Christians. Uh, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, uphold my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Watch this. He will faithfully bring forth justice. We go, oh, that's great. That's good. So that's part of the kingdom of the Messiah. He brings justice in the world. Now watch this. Verse four, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. Comforted by that? Not done. And the coastlands wait for his law. They're waiting for it. So this text, which is undeniably about Jesus and undeniably about him not growing faint or weary and his mission to bring justice in the earth, it says that the coastlands are waiting for what? His law. Right, right. So when we talk about justice and social justice, people today, you know, big on social justice and all these even like liberal, quote unquote, Christian community, social justice, social justice. You don't even know what it is right. because it's in the Torah. Right. 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 And so what's that, what's that famous line? Uh, I think it was Reagan or someone that said, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Yeah. It's theonomy, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> God's law. <laughs> so it all goes back to God's so law. So here's what, here's what I'm going to say. We can't talk about justice, social justice, in a meaningful way if it's detached from God's law. That's what Isaiah 42 teaches. He establishes justice in the earth. He's not going to stop until he does so. And it says the coastlands are waiting for his law. And so what's this show about right now? As imperfect as we are, the shortcomings we may have in explaining things, what we're trying to do is bring the law in the context of the gospel, into all these conversations. How else are the coastlands going to hear it if we don't start talking about it? That's right.
I think that uh, if Luke was here, he probably would have started the music out with some Bob Marley or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's the nice thing of not having Luke here. I get to control the music. <laughs> All right. So um, let's get into the next part of the discussion. Um, and again, here, here's the thing I want to encourage you guys to think about. Listen, you, you might disagree um, with some things that we've said. And, and okay, all right. But, but what we want to encourage is not indifference towards these issues, but going to the text of Scripture in these issues, with these issues. Yeah, and you can go to the All Access forums and discuss them with us. If yeah. you disagree. Yeah. So, and that the important thing here is to recognize for, from our perspective, the word of God is the standard. It's the standard for all of life. And so when we look at justice in the world, we say God's spoken to that. We know what his, we know what his position is on it. When we look at uh, whatever issues re- re- involving the church, involving practice as Christians, whatever it is, God's word is the ultimate standard. And so that's where we're coming from. So, and that brings us to the next point, uh, an interesting one. How about marijuana? Um, well, let's talk about this. Um, I, I mentioned that I was a pastor for four years full-time at a hospital. Apologia Church exists today because we gave the gospel to people struggling with addiction, and they came to Christ out of addiction and now um, are in love with Jesus and growing in Christ. Our church exists because of our militant commitment to bringing the gospel into the area of addiction. Addiction to anything is sin, whether it's to pornography, whether it's to marijuana, whether it's to alcohol, whether it's to cigars. Oxycontin. Oxycontin, anything. Addiction is ultimately idolatry. It's a worship problem. But see, here's what's important to recognize. The Bible, believe it or not, people had substances and were addicted to substances during the time of the Bible. They actually were. There were people who were actually addicted to alcohol. Like they actually drank and got drunk and they yeah. were drunkards. And the Bible talks about them. It actually mentions people who are drunkards and it sees it as a very serious sin. But you know what's amazing? Is in the law of God, in God's society where he governs it by his law, isn't it interesting that although people did have addictions to substances there, that God never criminalized people who were drunkards? In other words, it doesn't say to the drunkard, give him 10 days to dry out in a prison cell. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, do, it does say... That the the drunk child should be put to death, though. It, it talks about, so not, a, not child. We talk about the, 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 the young adult is essentially, not the... Yeah, not, it uses the term child, it's, but, but every, everybody's a child. Yeah, the context yes, is, of course. is not the five-year-old. Right, right. of course not, because you're supposed to bring the rod on the Yeah, on the, the incorrigible youth... Yes. Um, was, to, was to be by right. the family. But, but drunkenness was a sign of the incorrigibility. Yes. It wasn't the, the criminal aspect. Right. So, when you look at how the Bible would handle issues of um, drugs in a society, it does not criminalize the person, say, who's addicted to marijuana, right? Right. Um, and um, it's a heart issue. That's a gospel issue. Okay. So our society has said, well, we're going to criminalize marijuana. And as a result of criminalizing marijuana, we have actually fed into the industry, the drug industry of the cartels. Right? So Absolutely. Uh, the numbers, and, and the legal immigration. And yeah. And the numbers um, for the cartel, the, the Mexican cartel, the amount of money that they make and the percentage of that money that's made from marijuana is a lot. 
I'm talking like 50%. One of the primary economies the in the world. Primary yeah. ones is marijuana, right? So here's what's interesting here is because you, you make a substance in America illegal and you criminalize it and you put people behind bars for it, does that mean that you solve the problem of marijuana in society? Well, not at all. You've actually created an entire industry. That's right. Over here. Um, and so what happens is you have people in our society that now bog down society by having property stolen from society to pay for their prison sentence. People who are in jail right now for minor drug charges for basically possession. They're in jail now. Well, who's paying for the possession charge? Society around. We are. That we're paying for it. So yeah. our property is taken away from us to pay for the per- person that had um, possession of marijuana. Yeah. So the injustice is on the victims with the prison system, for sure. So, so now society becomes the victim, mm-hmm. essentially, because of marijuana charges. And here's another thing. Does putting somebody in a jail cell as an image bearer of God behind a cage, does that solve the problem of addiction? No. No, because it's a heart problem. Yeah, anytime the government restricts an economy, another economy, a black market dangerous economy, is going to come out of that. All the time. We saw it with Prohibition. Right, right. <laughs> like there's no clear example of the dangers of making something criminal that shouldn't be criminal than Prohibition. Yeah. Are we saying that people should be able to smoke pot and get high and just do it all day long um, and, and that that's a good thing for society? No. No. That, that's why there's punishments for the incorrigible youth. And that's why we call <laughs> sin, sin. But we recognize there's a difference between a sin and a crime. That's right. And um, in the Bible, you do not have criminalized possession charges for marijuana, right? Like if you possess, if you possess marijuana in the land of Goshen, <laughs> like, you know, like then that's, that's, a, that's a crime. No, the Bible sees it as a different thing. It sees it as a sin. It's a hard issue. And we recognize that what this does to society is it actually destroys society. You create criminal enterprises. You end up stealing from society to penalize people for possession of marijuana. And it doesn't recognize things in their proper context. For example, marijuana, without question, does work as a very effective medicine. That's what changed my view on marijuana. Okay. Because when I saw... Uh, the the video of the lady the the child it was a little child yes who was having hundreds of tremors a day yeah and she was essentially a vegetable and seizures too this is one of the seizures or some different yeah that's what I meant okay the seizures seizures yes <laughs> seizures <laughs> but yeah yeah pizza, so pizza. she was <laughs> hundreds of little seizures a day <laughs> this is marijuana for uh, sure right yeah, like, for sure you're doing a lot of that <laughs> yeah. So she was having tons of seizures every day. She was pretty much a vegetable, and they found a marijuana strand that was high on the medicinal elements and not the... The, the CBD. The CBD and CBD, not the THC. Not the THC. And so, so they gave that to her, and she was able to learn how to talk to her mom yeah. for the first time. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's stuff you go, why do we want to make an illegal practice out of something that has such valuable medicinal elements when it's, I mean, it's giving that child life that she's never had. Yeah, and CBD oil is very effective in treatment of cancer, of, of actually destroying cancer. Um, you also uh, have to pay attention to the fact, okay, look, I was a chaplain again at a hospital, okay? And it was a detox element to our hospital. There were doctors there, there were nurses there, and there were people there were being detoxed there um, by medicine. And if you were to come into this hospital that I worked at, and you were to come in and say, and this happened, and you just say, I'm smoking pot all day, every day, I want to stop, right? They would not admit you into detox because there was nothing they could do for you. Why? 
because of all the substances people were coming in there to get detoxed off of, marijuana was the one substance that there was absolutely no detox protocol for. Because it doesn't affect your brain the same way as cocaine. In other words, there was no chemical toxicity like alcohol that you can buy right now if you're over 21. You can go to the store and you can buy alcohol. And if you get addicted to it, guess what? You do need to be professionally medically detoxed because you could die. Yeah. Ivy Connerly talks about how he drank so much alcohol that he would throw up in the mornings until he had alcohol. That's right. Like he was sick. Physically sick until he drank a 40 of ice house. Yeah, ice house. So, <laughs> oh, so, here's, it, it, so, so think about this, this substance that God gives to us that I think we can use medicinally for proper purposes. You have uh, medical benefits um, for cancer for people that, um, I, I'll give you another example. I, I, like I'm a pastor. I've had to minister to people who have HIV and AIDS and are dying of AIDS. And I, these are people who are Christians that the only thing that could work for them so they can actually eat food, they're, they're dying of you know, HIV or, or, or AIDS, um, the, or AIDS, I should say. The only thing that can have them keep food down is marijuana, right? It's right. not the other medications that they would get over the, the pills and everything else. It was the marijuana, and that's a natural one that actually helps them to function normally in the world. How about for pain? Um, narcotics are highly addictive, necessary sometimes when people have really chronic pain issues. But what's, what is long-term better, ultimately, is the marijuana. Yeah. Because there's not the chemical toxicity issues, and you can find something that works for you, that you mentioned it, that's higher in CBD than it is in THC. Yeah. I mean, you, look, you look at the Bible, and the Bible says that God created all plants, and they were for our good. Right? Right. I mean, marijuana is something God created. Proper use. Pro- for proper use. Proper Absolutely. Use. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you, you see that and, you know, you know, I'm a vegetarian now. <laughs> Part of that is health issues, even though I'm, I'm the worst vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is. It's true. It's, I mean, there is health benefits to eating right. And the plants is what God gave us for, I think, primarily for our health. Right. And another good example, too, is the marijuana plant itself is extremely beneficial for juicing. If you juice it, it is very, very good for your body to juice it. And you won't get high, right? But we can't even grow a marijuana plant to juice for the health of our families, which will not get them high at all. We can't even grow a plant for the medical benefits of our own family because it's been criminalized a plant, right? right? And even if you want to use it in a righteous way, you don't have an option to use it in a righteous way. Right. Because why? Because the government has overstepped their biblical bounds by actually criminalizing a plant that could be used in a way that doesn't even get you high. What about, what about, isn't hemp used for like clothing and stuff too? Right. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's not even about ingestion of it. No. I mean, just for the, it's just, it's the the devil weed. Right? Devil weed, and and so so take that, Stephen Anderson. Yeah. So when you think about, and and again, are we? And, and please do not take this out of context. If anyone wants to blog about this, let me go ahead and say it loud and clear. I am not advocating for people to go out and get high on marijuana and to abuse this. I'm saying there is a righteous use for it. And guess what? I believe that people should be able to grow for their own family and own medical purposes their own marijuana. Let's say they're dying of cancer. Shouldn't they be able to grow their own stuff? 
Shouldn't they be able to grow their own stuff to juice for their own health and to be able to use themselves for their own medical benefits? Why does the government have any right to come in and tell them, no, you can't grow that. Yeah. You can't use that for your cancer. You can't use that for your AIDS. Um, even, even if we legalize marijuana for medicinal purposes, the, the state still won't let you grow it for your family. You have to buy it through a vendor who's been properly licensed. Well, Arizona back- does. Arizona does allow you to grow a certain amount by yourself. Really? You have to purchase a, spe- a special thing for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, everyone's wondering, Jeff, how do you know so much about this? Be- well, because I worked in this industry. Yeah. And I, and I can tell you something right now. I, let me to give you a little insight here. One time, I sat around a table. We had to do it every day at the hospital to check in on everybody's files and all their cases with the doctors, with the nurses. And I remember that we were sitting with these doctors and nurses, dude, and we were talking about these, these people that had arthritis, right? And they, were, they had been using narcotics and they got hooked on narcotics like oxys and everything else and Percocets um, because of their arthritis. So it's a legitimate need. Mm-hmm. But they, the chemical toxicity they couldn't avoid and now they're hooked on the oxys and they had to get off, but they also still have pain because they have arthritis. So it's a vicious cycle. Right. And the doctors and nurses in this room said, well, if they go on medical marijuana, they wouldn't have this problem. Like they knew. Yeah, absolutely. They knew that the problem that they have is because of the narcotics and the high chemical toxicity factor. If they would just do medical marijuana, they wouldn't have this problem. These are doctors and nurses. Yes. And a light bulb came on in my own mind in that moment is here you have doctors in a medical profession saying, but they didn't say it to the patients, saying behind closed doors that the medicine that they were putting them on to detox them was going to actually be an addictive situation that was unavoidable, and if they were just taking marijuana, they'd be fine and without pain and no toxicity. Yeah, there really is freedom in God's law, isn't there? There really I is. I mean, <laughs> man's law is oppressive. It is oppressive, and so, so, um, so. Okay, so here is a part of the debate where Rand Paul is discussing uh, marijuana legalization and everything else. That was uh, them quoting Chris Christie. Okay. Chris Christie says this, all these states that have decided to legalize marijuana, if he becomes president, he's going to criminalize it again. Even though Colorado, that legalized marijuana use, has actually now financially, as a benefit through taxation, has actually now gained so much money, they almost don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's just taxation, by the way. Just taxation because it's It's an option. You are deciding to do it. Yes, right. And and there's actually a documentary on that on CNN, the best free market documentary. If you want to know free market principles, it's called High Profits. And it talks about these people who own this marijuana shop in the public uh, tourism district of the ski town. In, in, in Colorado, and the government is forcefully trying to move them to a location outside of the tourist district by force and by law to get them to uh, be in this area where there's a whole bunch of other marijuana shops so they can just keep it to that area. But the whole documentary talks about the federal intrusion because it's legal in Colorado. The state has legalized it. The federal government has not, and therefore... They have to carry around everything in cash, millions of dollars in cash, because the banks will will be fined and shut down because the banks are federally owned. Wow. So there's this whole security department in Colorado that's brewing, this security business that transfers millions of dollars 
all because of this. This is a fantastic film. If you want free market stuff, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Powerful stuff. And um, again, let me stress it again so the bloggers can, can, uh, <laughs> cannot uh, deny Don't blog that I said me, bro. it. Uh, we are not advocating for addiction to marijuana, people just to smoke up and just to go abuse uh, any substance whatsoever. I don't believe that you should just abuse any substance. Um, but we need to ask what's righteous in a society. And here is a big discussion about marijuana. Boom, that's it. Thank you for speaking according to a biblical worldview. That's right. Rehabilitation, not incarceration. Absolutely. You don't solve the problem of heart issues by putting people behind bars. You don't. You do not. And what it should be for us as Christians is a gospel issue. We recognize it's a heart issue, and we treat it in that way. And guess what we would do? Clear out so much of our prison system and jail system just by letting people out that were there for minor drug possession charges. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay that they did what they did. I'm saying that we ought not to in, uh, perpetrate injustice upon society because somebody actually has a heart problem of addiction. That's right. Okay. That's consistent with a biblical world. Absolutely. Field. That's consistent. Ha <laughs> ha. That's Jeb Bush, by the way. So leave it. <laughs> so that's it. Leave it to the state then, right? But the government isn't doing that. They're incarcerating them. 
Yeah. So we said, notice we notice the slippery thing there. The government has a has a role here to then you go, oh well, well, yeah, and how so? And he goes, oh, for rehabilitation. That's that's not what they're doing though. They're incarcerating. Yeah. Incarceration is not rehabilitation. Yeah, they're incarcerating people. No, that's not that's not the best way to do it. Well, there you go. So that's uh, sort of the typical establishment Republican position. And, you know, the problem is the government doesn't trust the people. Ultimately, right? Like, it's like, well, we don't want to get to a place like Colorado. So we don't trust the people. Therefore, we're just going to criminalize the entire industry, even at the expense of those who need it, mm-hmm. because we just don't trust you. Mm hmm. Why, why do we trust the government so much? Yeah, why should they be able to tell <laughs> Yeah, why people? do we trust you? So under a biblical republic, you would have the people who are in charge of their own sin. Right. Okay. And what I mean by that is that um, a substance like wine, okay? Wine can be a blessing, a gift from God, or it can be something that turns you into a drunkard, depending on how you use it. You can use it righteously or you can sin with it. But do we want the government to regulate wine? No. And to tell us that we can't make wine, drink wine, buy wine? No. They have no right to do that. Right. So it's an arbitrary decision for the government to step in and say, oh, but over this substance we're going to control. Yes. But wait a second. It's still a substance that can be used righteously or unrighteously. What's the difference between the two? Personal sin. But what you don't do is criminalize the person over here that's using it righteously, like I said, the cancer patient, the HIV patient, the AIDS patient, the person who had the kid who has seizures. And you, you do have issues where that's a good point. What about the parent that has a child that has an, an ailment or a disease, a sickness that only marijuana oil is going to take care of? They're moving to Colorado. That's They're going to have that. to move their yeah. family to a place where actually that'll allow them to use it righteously. Right. And by the way, I want to say this. I'll bet you, I'll bet you, man, I'll bet you, if you legalized, if you legalized marijuana across every state and you allowed families to actually, to actually grow their own plants and to purchase plants for their own sicknesses, for, for, to juice for their families with, without even getting high in any way, I'll bet you, you can tax that substance, right? Yes. And I'll bet you we'd solve a virtually our entire debt problem simply with marijuana. We- well, they'll ju- unless we fix the problem, they'll just grow the government bigger. Right, but you, but you had the debt problem. The debt problem Absolutely. could be solved. Oh yeah. Just but and by the way, I'm not advocating for abuse. I'm advocating for righteous use. 
Righteous use. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm advocating for. And I'm advocating for a biblical republic right. that actually sees the difference between a sin and a crime. There you go. And a kind of republic that doesn't penalize society for somebody else's you know, like even, even in the Bible, when there was a victim of a crime, the, the victim was the one that did the punishment. Right, so you, it was the you had to have two or three witnesses, and the witness was the one that threw the first stone. And the reason was because if they were lying, the 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 person who lied and and murdered the innocent person would then be put to death. So so even the systems of justice were in the hands of the citizens in the Bible. Yeah, not the state. Not the state. Yeah. So so the state oversaw it. And looked out over the bigger incidents, especially like war and stuff like that. But but individuals who are victims of injustice, they usually handle that themselves. And the justice and and, and, and the government just regulated, oversaw it, oversaw And the victim it, yeah. had the opportunity to give mercy. Absolutely, that's the thing too. Is is under a biblical republic, the state doesn't actually become the one who is the offended victim. Yeah. Okay. So you, the victim is the victim. Yeah, so like an example of that would be like a car accident. Yeah. Where both individuals are like, hey, not that, not that, just just a fender bender. I'll pay for your fender bender or you have insurance or whatever. I'll pay your deductible. We're good. No need to get involved. The police still come to the scene and they still give someone a ticket for reckless driving even though the two individuals have worked it out amongst themselves. The state still feels the need that they have to get in the way and, and fine them and court fees and all this other stuff. Which is completely unnecessary in most cases. Yeah, yeah. And oh, say for example, and then give me one more example, and then mm-hmm. we'll be done for sure. today. Say for example, a person goes into a store and uh, steals a loaf of bread. Okay, like a convenience store steals a loaf of bread, goes out, and the owner uh, saw them as they walked down the street. Oh, he took my bread. Calls the police, right? But then five minutes later, the person walks back in, right, and mm-hmm. goes, "I feel really guilty about this." I want to go ahead and pay you for the bread now. Seven times. Right? And, yeah. and says, I want, I want to make this right with you. But at that time, the same time, the police were coming in, right? Well, in today's context, um, typically speaking, once the state has ownership of that, the state becomes the victim and the determiner as the sovereign over whether or not mercy is given and all the rest, right? Yeah. They're in control of the punishment. Whereas in a biblical republic, the victim has the right to say, I'm letting them go. Yeah. So I was in a car accident. Somebody rear-ended me and I went to court and I told the judge, I don't want any charges to be pressed against this individual. There's no harm, no crime. And the judge looks at me and says, well, we have to. Why? I, I'm the victim. Yeah. And I'm saying there's no need to fine him or to sentence him or do anything. And the judge is like, well, we have to. This has happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. A long time ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know why you have to. I'm saying that the guy, like, everything's forgiven, we're good. No, we have to. So they still had to charge him with reckless driving, even though I, as a victim, showed mercy. Perfect example. The state became the victim. Absolutely. Over there. Yeah, it's like, the state has nothing to do with this. This is our issue. I'm the victim. Yeah. And the victim has the right, under biblical republic, to give mercy. Right. So, for example, if there's an issue of an adultery... The victim of the adultery has the right to give mercy. Right, exactly. Um, always. Uh, so uh, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is justice? And when it says in Isaiah 42 that the coastlands are waiting for his law, 
are we as Christians today being a part of that process of letting people know what God's standards are? Now, obviously, law saves nobody. Nobody. It will make nobody righteous in God's eyes. It will not um, save a society. But the law of God is good, fundamentally good, and it it is God's standard. Right. And that's why the Bible says in Romans 13 that the state is an agent of wrath and the church is the agent of grace and mercy. So there's two distinct roles. Romans 12 Mm -hmm. says, do not try to get vengeance. Right? Yes. But then in Romans 13, it says that God's deacon, God's servant, the civil magistrate, it's his role to bring the vengeance of That's God. That's correct. And so there's two different, yeah. there's two different things. It's, it's amazing how the Bible applies to all areas of life. All areas of life. There's not a single issue in any presidential debate that you can't open up the Bible and be like, well, that's what we should do. Immigration, marijuana, abortion, taxation, everything the Bible actually speaks to. Yeah, we didn't even have time to get to immigration. We didn't even have time. <laughs> All right. We love you guys. Thank you guys for listening again. This is just a little sampling. Um, And uh, again, we're grateful for all of you guys that are part of this ministry that are serving alongside us by way of giving towards what we're doing by becoming all access. I want to encourage you guys, let people know, uh, share an episode with them and let them know about Apologia Radio. Uh, Point them to ApologiaRadio.com and uh, check out some of the stuff that we put up recently on YouTube, Apologia Studios. Yeah, somebody posted on Facebook, they said, Hey, I really hope you guys get to the point where presidents and senators and congressmen will come on your show. Yeah. Well, you can make that happen. Share the show. You know, as our base grows and as we become a a bigger cultural influence, that's what happens. That's right. So share that if you like what we're doing and you you think that we have a, a, a voice that needs to be heard in the mainstream, let people know about our show. That's huge. You leave a review on iTunes is awesome too. You yeah. Know, Let, anything. Uh, if you want candidates like this to have to interact with a biblical worldview, then then we need to start building pa- the platform. Yeah, yeah. And we need to start making noise. Absolutely. Make noise. Yeah. Make noise. And um, you know, love for any okay, last thing we'll end on here. Sanders um said in his thing, it's about love for neighbor. Well, guess what? Love for neighbor, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says that's the second commandment in the law. And that all the law and the prophets are built upon love for God, love for neighbor, right? right. So that means that if we're truly going to love our neighbor like Bernie Sanders wants us to, we're going to look to the law of God to define what it means to love your neighbor in society. Yeah, it's the rubber band ball. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just remove one rubber band and the whole thing falls apart. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. We're blessed by you guys. Thank you guys for uh, listening once again to Apologia Radio, apologiaradio.com. If you have not signed up for all access, I want to encourage you guys to do so. Check out our apologetics series at Apologia Academy uh, as soon as you sign up. And tell me what you guys think and uh, let me know how it's blessed you and helped you. We provide all kinds of resources there for you in that series. And uh, we're grateful that we get to be a part of your lives. So thank you so much. Marcus, King Ginger. I'm out. I'm the ninja. No bear here today. And no girl. Or lady. Hope you guys enjoyed it anyways. Let us know what you guys thought.